Hear ye, hear ye. Welcome, merry folk, to Beyond Earth, the box set. <laughs> tales of common shit that come before all tales of yore. I'm Sir Harry of Leeds, and joining me as always is my squire, the village idiot, John Lucas. I'm not talking like that for the whole thing. Oh, thank God. <laughs> that was going to get old real fast. <laughs> <laughs> Which is how I feel this film did. Yeah. Some films are fine, just the way they are. We saw Knights of Badastum. Yes. Uh, which some, some of you may not have heard of. It's kind of an obscure one, but tell us a little bit about this film. It was your choice. <sighs> okay, well, firstly, I chose this because I was told this film deserved a cult following and never got one. Uh-huh. Now, I'm comparing this to The Room, which is, I think, for the film we've done that has the biggest cult following. Yeah, probably. Of the films we've done. Yes. And, uh, oh my God, this was. I think the problem with this film is that. I went into it knowing it was a bad film mm-hmm. and expecting it to be hilariously bad. You know, like, good bad yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. But this one, it was just above that threshold where, yeah. like, it, it was bad, but just not quite in an enjoyable way. It felt incompetently made. It did, yeah. Like, at a very fundamental level, it felt like bad filmmaking. Mm-hmm. But, but, yeah, not in the sense that the, the room was ba- was so poorly made that it and it went all the way back around and became a work of genius. Yeah. Whereas this, yeah, as you say, this was just kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a shame because there's so many good people in this film. Well, there's some. There's this. That's, entire... that's, that's the whole reason I chose it was yeah. I saw some of the cast mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my god, is that guy? Is that guy? Yeah. What's Peter Dinklage doing in this? What was Peter Dinklage doing in this? I do not know. <laughs> He's his character seemed troubled. Mm. He, there was something about his performance in this film. Peter Dinklage plays like the best friend, one of the best friend roles. His performance was really weird. He was constantly like looking down, like he was embarrassed to be there. Mm. And his lines deliveries were really like low energy the first half of the film. Mm-hmm. And then there's that weird, uncomfortable scene where he just puts his hands on Joe, the main character, for like what feels like a full minute. Do you remember that? No, not he's at all. Like, he's like, I know what you need. And then he puts his hands on his shoulders. This is very early on in the film. Mm. And then there's just like a, a solid minute of him just like holding him. And it's just weird and uncomfortable. It doesn't make any sense. At first, I genuinely thought he was playing the character as if the character had special needs. And then it kind of... Then it's like, oh, no, he's not. I was like, okay. Found it. Oh, hey, dude. You bent my mace. It's not... That's not cool. Sorry, man. My mom made me this mace. But yeah, he's supposed to he's supposed to be on magic mushrooms or something, because there's a line he says there's some shrooms in the room. He makes some oh, yeah. kind. And then so I guess that's supposed to explain it. But the constant I, I mean, I assumed the whole thing was supposed to be like, is this a drug strip? Is it not? Mm. Like is is this all real? Yeah. Cause I mean, were they supposed to be on drugs the whole time? But mm. I, I don't know if Peter Dinklage was adding that to the performance just to give himself something to do because every time I kept being very before he got killed off I kept being distracted by him where there'd be se- like group scenes where he'd just be in the background doing something weird mm. like he'd be just looking at his hands or like he'd put, have daisies in his hair or something <laughs> I was like you turned up to this drunk <laughs> or you realised what you were making very very quickly and yeah, maybe. decided to just get with it so How you doing there Captain Trips? Barely There'd be a fungus among us 
Is it your fungus that's fucking with me? Mm-hmm. Um, we should probably describe the plot a little bit, actually, because this is a film I don't think many of our listeners will have heard. So the basic plot of this film is that it's got a character who's played by Ryan Zwanson, who I'd, ne- I'd never heard of. Yeah. Apparently he's like the third male lead in True Blood. I googled him. So. Sure. Yeah, whatever. Again, this is a thing I have with these films like this. Why do they always have all the interesting, all the great actors playing supporting roles and have really bland lead characters? Because <laughs> he was super boring in this film. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so this Ryan Quanson guy, I may, be, I may be mispronouncing that name. He is a mechanic of some kind. Uh, yeah, I think so. And he is some kind of Dungeons and Dragons. He, he used to play Dungeons and Dragons, apparently. Mm-hmm. And he lives with... His two best friends, Steve, played by Steve Zahn and Peter Dinklage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Zahn is an accidental millionaire, we're told, in a f- very throwaway line. Oh, yeah, I missed that. Yeah, well, and then that's why they live in a castle, which oh, is in yeah, the middle of... of None of this is explained, though. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, the, the, there's an exterior shot of a castle in a suburb, which mm-hmm. I presume was poorly pasted in or something. And then from the indoors, it just looks like any, any other house. They did mm-hmm. nothing with the kind of the potential humour of having a castle in the middle of the mm. suburbs. It was... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they all live together at the beginning of the film his girlfriend dumps him mm-hmm. for fairly reasonably I felt yeah and uh, and in order to cheer him up his friends who are both heavy duty into LARPing mm-hmm. which is live action role play mm-hmm. oh it stands for something I just thought it was a weird word yeah okay um, so they take they kind of get him drunk and stoned mm. and then basically kidnap him they do kidnap him don't they yeah and did you clock that so there's this there's, there's, the scene in which... So he gets dumped and he comes home and he's very depressed. Mm. And then his friends are like, I know what will cheer you up. And then they basically... They get make him drink like a whole bottle of whiskey to himself and then get high. on. He's like in, inhaling like one of those pipe things. Yeah. What are they called? A pipe? I you know, the, the, know. The, glass, the glass things that are full of smoke. Well, yeah, that. Me and John aren't so good at the drugs. I prefer heroin. Injectables only for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they... Make him drink a whole bottle of whiskey and inhale a whole thing of weed to himself. Mm-hmm. But neither of them are drinking out as well. They're just kind of standing around watching him. And it's really yeah, uncomfortable and weird. Yeah. You do not seem like supportive friends. No. And then he wakes up and he's in a live action role play event. Well, at what point did you sort of understand why they were friends? Why any of them were friends? Never. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird thing, isn't it? Yeah. Just was never sort of covered. You never saw them actually being nice to each other. But not even in a way like it's always sunny in Philadelphia where they all clearly hate each other, but they all stuck around, just, mm-hmm. you know, because they do. But with this one, like they just didn't really seem to have anything in common. They didn't like each other. Well, this is the other thing. Or with this... like him, at least. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing with this film. There was, they didn't put any time into building any of the characters up. And there were so many characters. That yeah, it there was... were. It was really there was a really unnecessary amount of supporting characters in this film. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then they get to the LARPing event, mm. and then they meet some other people. Steve Zahn's character is a wizard, mm-hmm. a level twenty-seven wizard in LARPing yeah. world. So even describing this film is because the <laughs> plot makes no sense. So he is a level twenty-seven wizard, we're told, and he attempts to cast a spell in the game using a book, which is basically the book from Hocus Pocus. Uh, I was thinking more. Jumanji, but yeah, sure. Have you seen Hocus Pocus? Not for a long time. No, so. it's very much that book. Okay. Uh, so he, he cast a spell. Oh, based has an eye in it. So yes, yeah, the book had an eye and looked around. Okay. Yeah. And then he cast this spell, and for for reasons, the book then summons a hell, some kind of hell demon that takes the form of Joe, which is the Steve Quantum character's really boring name. Mm. It takes the form of Joe's ex girlfriend, mm-hmm. and then she wanders around just randomly killing people. Yeah. And then that's kind of the film. Reason. Yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> and then at some point she mutates into a giant monster 
Yeah, like which, a gremlin on steroids, which looked awful. Yeah, yeah it did, didn't it? <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't get that, how it looked so bad. I mean, obviously low budget and stuff, but... Well, I loved how they didn't... It was never on screen for more than a second, because just to, have to, to mm. disguise how shitty it really looked. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a lot of fast cuts and yeah. kind of side shots and claws appearing from halfway through the screen. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, God. And, yeah, and then it's built to a big battle at the end. Yeah. Which, which they won, kind of. Yes, and then that's kind of the end of the Pe- People died along the way. No, wait, Peter Dinklage died midway through and then sort of came back at the end inexplicably. Yeah. But just kind of like in spirit only. Yeah, they just like summoned his soul via the power of a heavy metal song to <laughs> do battle with the demon. And then he left as well. And then it, But then it ends with a shot of Peter Dinklage. Yes. It, which looked like it was implying the, a sequel. It's the same shot. Made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I felt like there was a lot of reusing of shots, of especially of the goblin thing. Mm. I felt like they, they maybe reused the same shot of it kind of lurching about maybe for a solid four or five times. Yeah. yeah. I find it weird how this... Lapping, especially with the medieval stuff, it's so nerdy and seemingly unpopular. But when you think of it in film and TV, it's some of the most popular stuff. Look at Game of Thrones mm-hmm. and Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Some of the two, the two biggest series of, or two of the biggest series in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, somehow it's a really nerdy, unpopular thing. This film didn't really know what it wanted to be. I felt like th- is this film a celebration of LARPing or a parody of LARPing? It didn't seem to... I was thinking halfway through a question that you always ask me. Who is this for? Yeah. And I was thinking it's it's just for for LARPers, surely. Is it even for them, though? I mean, have you, have you ever LARPed? No. No, I don't LARP either. I've never LARPed. I, I do find it like genuinely quite interesting. Like mm. I wish I had the lack of cynicism and the confidence to go out and do something like that. Because I mean, it actually looks really fun. It's basically mm-hmm. just like acting, but, mm-hmm. you know, with physicality and you know fantasy and stuff and I, yeah but this film didn't seem like it had a lot of particularly interesting in jokes about what larping is like it, made, it felt mm. like it really went for the easy joke i felt like, like the whole film would have been a lot fun to watch if i was stoned yeah that's probably true yeah. i mean i did look around the internet and there are this film does have its fans oh, mm. obviously that you saw that youtube video that mm-hmm. which people said uh yeah so maybe this is just one of those films that you need to be on a lot of drugs to enjoy but um, i was not and i did not um <laughs> <laughs> Oy. I'm d- sorry, I'm, d- I'm just questioning like why I chose this. And just sort of, <laughs> what's wrong yeah, with my life? Yeah, you screwed up, Harry. You screwed up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the characters that get killed off, apart from Peter Dinklage, they literally are characters that you've never seen before and never see again. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, obviously any horror film, which this film becomes, this film starts as like a parody of LARPing and then it becomes like a horror film. Which is, mm. yeah. yeah, yeah, it does, doesn't it? It's a bit, yeah, it doesn't really know where it sits. But yeah, any horror film has like stock two-dimensional characters that get killed off on the way to you know to build tension. But mm-hmm. normally those characters are at least introduced mm-hmm. like, because there are a solid thirty or forty characters in this film who appear at any one point. Each of whom is played by s- some actor you saw in some show about ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Like there's someone from Mad Men in there. There's, you've got Peter Dinklage. You've got someone from. You've got Danny Pudi who yeah. is wasted in this film, isn't he? Like what a waste of Danny Pudi. Mm. What does he do? I don't know because obviously in the community D&D episodes he was mm. he was the best one yeah it's like doing all kinds of impressions and everything and in this he was just he could have been anybody yeah I mean if they if he'd come on and just been Arbed you'd be like oh that's kind of lazy mm. but at least it would have been him playing to his strengths but it, yeah, it, really... it would have been a thing he literally does nothing in this film yeah I feel this film might have been like a two and a half hour film that they then edited down to like 80 minutes or something but mm-hmm. just by hacking at random points because it really felt like we were seeing just a random collection of scenes mm-hmm. That we, it felt like we were missing a lot of key information. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Danny Pudi gets introduced, his character, about, about maybe 20 minutes into the film. He's called Lando, I think. Yes, he is. 
And so he's introduced by Steve Zahn, who says, that's Lando, he's a weasel, but also very entertaining. You'll see. Which, like, sets up. Like, okay, so this, he's going to do something. And it's Danny Pudi, we expect him to do something. Mm. And then he just kind of hangs around in the background for, like, ten minutes, and then mm. he gets killed. Mm. And then that's that's it. That's a wrap on Danny Pudi. Mm. I was like, oh, I guess that was it. So what were we to look forward to there? Like, so who are our comrades? Enchanter. Right. That'd be Londo, the pious. Watch him in battle. Complete weasel, but entertaining. You'll see. I'd love to know how many people got paid for this. Yeah, I'm guessing not also, much. this this film came out in 2013. Mm-hmm. So Game of Thrones would have been around season three or four, mm-hmm. maybe. So Peter Dinklage would be a big actor at that point. Well, apparently it was shot in 2010. Oh, right. So then it, was re- it got stuck in development hell. It was released in 2013 after... Game of Thrones. Got it. Yeah. Okay. I have had to ignore that for my sequel, but we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't feel like this film deserved me to be 100% loyal to the timelines, but yeah. yeah. And then so there's a second love interest introduced, played by Summer Glau, mm. who is super, super boring. Like, she's so low energy in this film. Mm-hmm. I do feel, I did like that she was a female character who was, she could kick ass. Mm. And she did, she was never like needed to be saved. She, she was very much a character who could look, take care of herself. Yeah. But she was just so low energy. And like, why was she there? There was no, yeah. Oh, because she had to hang out with her cousin, Gunther, who was a six foot something mountain of a man who believes he's always in character. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Mm. Which, again, I had a lot of questions about. Well, at least you're supporting your boyfriend's interests. A lot of girls just... My boyfriend? God, no. Gunther's my cousin. He's a good kid. But he never breaks character. Whoa, whoa, wait. He never breaks character? Truly believes he's in another time and place. (laughs) But his folks don't let him come to these things alone. So you're a warrior sitting then? Well, after the medieval times incident, I seem to be the only one he listens to. The medieval times incident? Mom thought it'd be cute to take him there. He jumped the wall and sent the Red Knight to the hospital. First of all, why cousin? If it was her brother, you'd be like, okay, sure, you look after your brother. But why was she, why was she there with her cousin? I mean, it was clearly just a poor excuse to get Summer Glau into the film. Yes, and, and like, how, how, how can we have a woman in this? Mm. Um, okay, it's got to, she's got to be really hot, and, but she's, she's not interested, but she's got to be here for some reason. Yeah, there, there, there was a very thinly veiled, veiled excuse to get put Summer Glau in a corset and make her do a lot of high kicks. Which yeah. Is <laughs> but yeah, I had a real problem with the Gunther character, though, because he appears to be profoundly disturbed. Mm-hmm. He is constantly in character. He believes he genuinely is a warrior. Mm-hmm. Why would you take a character, a person with that mental health issue to a live-action roleplay event? That just seems super dangerous. I think you're looking way too deep into this. I, I, yeah, I know, but even so, like, he, he needs professional help. He should, be, <laughs> he should be in a mental institution receiving professional gu- guidance. He should not be being triggered by being put into an environment where he could hurt himself and others. Yeah. He's a danger to the community. And because, you're not wrong. Yeah. But also his character was, because his character was so tall, it made me notice how poorly shot this film was. Because, did you notice that the camera, it looked like it was shot on a handheld camera? Mm-hmm. Like, there were scenes when it was really distractingly shaky. Mm-hmm. So it made me feel a little bit motion sick. Yeah. And then also, there were scenes that were 
framed so poorly that he would just be cut off at the head. <laughs> I didn't notice. It was that. really distracting. Yeah, whenever there was a group shot, he was just like, you just saw like at the bottom of his chin. <laughs> and there'd also be scenes where people would randomly like walk into shot because they obviously weren't in shot at the right time. And then mm. just that's like, oh, and then they would, just, they would just walk, step forward awkwardly into shots. It was just a very incompetently made film. Are you, are you glad I chose it? Do you wish I hadn't? Do you wish I'd gone with The Knight's Tale instead? Ooh, I've not seen The Knight's Tale since like it came out in the cinemas so that'd be an interesting one to revisit maybe one day but yeah maybe as a compa- companion piece to this mm. I mean that's not really about LARPing but it's got the old I guess it's got the old English kind of thing yeah so, let's, no. let's, let's not do that next week though let's just no 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 let's give ourselves a little bit of a break from yes. this, this world yes Jimmy Simpson's in this film um, McPoyle from ah yeah the it's always in Philadelphia and also the man in black from Westworld yeah oh spoiler alert for Westworld whoops and he is um that's 11 the whole time. Mm. Like he's constantly, constantly shouting. What are you saying, Quark? He tried to destroy it, but he couldn't. So he sealed it, and he hid it deep underneath his manor estate, and it has been lost for generations. But here it is, in your incapable hands, and you summoned a succubus from hell! <laughs> and then this last passage that you just read, the Herald of Abominog, and in the language, lay the name of the Hell Lord Abominog, and I have spoken the name, and Hell has reigneth down. You didn't injure it, you ignorant fuck! You transformed it! Sorry. I thought like this film was 20% lazy LARP jokes, 70% shouting nonsensical expositional dialogue at each other from mm-hmm. like a foot away from each other, mm-hmm. and 10% Really incongruous gore, like really gory violence, like badly done gory violence. Very badly done. Very poorly done. <laughs> yeah. Like the scene where the woman, uh, the, the succubus, mm. puts her fingers in a guy's mouth and then rips it off, mm-hmm. rips his jaw off, and it just looks. It's papier mache. It looked awful. Yeah, she just pulls his papier mache. Yeah. But I, I didn't feel like they were making a joke of how bad it was. Like, no, if you're going to have really low budget gore, make it that the joke. Mm. But it didn't feel like that was the joke. It just felt like, well, this is as good as we can make it look. And That's the thing. It. it felt really sort of midway between a bad film and a good film. Yeah, it really did. Yeah, there was no sense of space or time in this film, I felt, as well. Do you not think? No, I couldn't get a handle on how big the field was. Mm-hmm. And also, there's a scene... One minute, they're all walking through a field. And then Joe, Ryan Quanson, and Summer Glau, they say they're going to walk back to the... They're going to walk back to the car and get something that they've forgotten. Mm-hmm. And it's like, at this point, it's broad daylight. Mm. And the next time we see them, it's like 3 a.m. It is pitch dark. Mm. It's like, how long have they been walking? Like seven hours? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I watched this film twice, so that's why I've got a lot of detail. Because I watched it once. How on earth did you get through this twice? It took me about, well, I watched it once, start to finish on on Sunday night. And then I was, but I was within like 20 minutes, I was kind of checked out. I was like, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, you know what? Maybe I didn't give that enough of a chance. I need to be sure. So then I watched it again. And yeah. the second time I watched it, it took me about three hours. Because mm-hmm. every 10 minutes, I'll just pause and do something else and come back to it because it, was, it really was that bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a tough slog. <laughs> um, so thank you. Should we get into it? Yeah, let's. We've, uh, we're not going to crack this nut, I don't think. Uh, no, I don't think there's any amount of. Uh talk and complaining that can fix this thing <laughs> alright so it's you first isn't it I believe it is yeah what do you got for me okay yeah so my sequel is called Knights of Badastum 2 Revenge of the Nordic Nerds okay okay all, all will be revealed good this film kind of plays fast and loose with the timeline of when this film was made but I don't care 
You can dock some points if you want, but I had to do some. This was really hard to write a sequel for because there was so little meat on the bone. Yeah. Like, because there are no characters particularly that you can think of that you want to see them do other things. Like, the, the plot's pretty self-contained. You never really think, oh, what are they going to do next? So, so yeah, timeline issues, don't care. Mm-hmm. Don't at me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so we open at a glitzy Hollywood movie premiere. It's a red carpet, the paparazzi are around. And Peter Dinklage, played by Peter Dinklage, steps out of a limo and the crowd obviously goes wild. You know, he's getting photographed, etc. Mm-hmm. He's posing for pictures with fans. He's soaking in the moment. And then another limo pulls up behind him and Amelia Clark steps out. Okay. Who plays Daenerys Targaryen in Game of Thrones. Yes. So not watch it. And suddenly it's all about her. And then we pan up and we see that we're actually at the premiere of her recent movie, Me Before You, mm-hmm. which is a real movie that she made last year, which looked terrible, but made a lot of money. Not heard of it, but sure. Yeah. You know how teenagers these days are obsessed with death? Well, you know, there's like teenage romances now where someone has to die. Oh, you sound so old. But no, I don't even think it's... <laughs> kids these days. Kids these, but they are. It's weird. I, I don't remember this being a thing when I was a teenager. Like, and teenagers have been obsessed with death for decades. Oh, I guess, I guess. But, but specifically, like, you're, there's all these romances now where one of the characters will have a terminal illness. It's like The, the Fault in Our Stars is another one. Yeah, characters, it's just... It, there's lots of films out right now about characters with cancer or something. Or, anyway... This film, Me Before You, is a film about Amelia Clark playing a girl who falls in love with a paraplegic guy. Mm. And then at the end of the film, spoiler alert for Me Before You, the paraplegic guy kills himself. Yeah. And that's the film. Yeah. So anyway, it was ter- it looked I didn't see it, but it looked awful. But mm-hmm. it made a lot of money because teenagers love this stuff. And anyway, so that film, this is the premiere of that film. Okay. We may do it in future, who knows. This sounds like you're used about to complain about this film for the whole story. I'm basically inserting a second review into my review. Yeah, okay, so. yeah, great. So anyway, Peter Dinklage and Amelia Clark, they you know they do the obligatory pap shot together where they're posing together and smiling, mm. and smiling. Wait, why is Peter Dinklage there? Because he's supporting his Game of Thrones co-star at this okay. movie premiere. Sure. This is the real world in which Game of Thrones, the you know, exists yeah. and they're all in it. Uh, and so a reporter kind of shoves a mic under his nose and says, "Mr. Dinklage, all of your Game of Thrones co-stars are making all these amazing movies. When are we going to see you in a leading role?" Mm. And he looks uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to some time later, and Peter Dinklage is sitting in his agent's office. Uh, I haven't figured who's going to play his agent, but I- I'm imagining her in my head as Estelle from Friends. Well, who else? Exactly. She's the ultimate <clears throat> you know, TV agent. So, mm. yeah. Why not cast Lisa Kudrow? Oh, that'd be good, yeah. Yeah, yeah oh, because she plays Estelle in that. Exactly. That's a good deep cut. So, like, that's yeah. a good deep Friends cut. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, the agent <laughs> is going to be played by Lisa Kudrow, basically playing Estelle from Friends. Yeah. So, and Dinklage is like, look, Estelle. We're just going to call it a star. <laughs> okay. It's going to actually be a continuation. Let's just say that... This is in the Friends universe. This is in the Friends universe too, where, yeah, let's say that Phoebe... Has assumed the identity of a star. Yeah, and just, just to keep a, Joey happy. Yeah, and just has become a, success, a semi-successful Hollywood, look, <laughs> Hollywood um, agent, so... So yeah, so it's like, look, Estelle, you've got to get me a meaty movie role. I'm the star of the biggest show on television. Mm-hmm. And uh, all I'm getting is cameo roles. And, mm-hmm. and she says, well, I'm sorry, Peter. Can I find my Estelle? I'll you some do, it, do it, do it. Joey, it's Estelle. Joey, it's Estelle. Was that my close? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Okay. A little louder. Joey, it's Estelle. Perfect. Okay. Joey, it's Estelle. Peter, I'm, I'm sorry, Peter, but there just aren't that many roles out there for 47-year-old little people, and all the good ones are going to Tom Cruise. Man. <laughs> <laughs> jokes, jokes, jokes. Um, <laughs> and so Dinklage says, look, just get me something. I'm giving you two weeks, or you're fired. Mm. So he goes back to the set of Game of Thrones, and we, we see Gwendolyn Christie, who plays mm-hmm. Brienne of Tarth, yeah. walks onto set and she's like, boom, guess who just landed the Star Wars gig? <laughs> and he is obviously furious. So he immediately calls his agent. He's like, look, Estelle, 
Brain of Tarth is in Star Wars now. Come on, you've got to get me something. That woman's six foot three. You can't tell me I'm harder to cast than she is. And Estelle goes, well, I tried to put... Well, I've lost it again. <laughs> red lorry, yellow lorry, red lorry. <laughs> well, I tried to... No, no, no. I tried to put you forward for Star Wars, but you turned it down. He's like, yeah, because I'm not playing a fucking Ewok. Do better. So, <laughs> so it's like, okay, I do have a script that looks quite promising. I'm, this voice is starting to hurt. <laughs> no, keep it going, keep it going. It's an independent comedy. Ryan Gosling is already attached as the lead, but they're looking for somebody to play the best friend. It doesn't pay much, but it's a key role, and it gives you a chance to really show your range. And uh, my style's gone on quite a journey, I'm sorry. <laughs> keep going. Wise. And, um, okay, sounds interesting. What's it about? So. Well, you ever heard of this thing LARPing? <laughs> and, uh, so we cut to the rap party, Game of Thrones, season three or four, or whatever we're at at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And in my universe, because you know, I like to allow the actors to... I like having actors make fun of their own public image. Mm. So in my version of Game of Thrones, all the actors are douchebags, and they're like really passive-aggressive, and <laughs> basically okay. bragging about, humble bragging about all the amazing jobs they're getting when they're not on Game of Thrones. Yeah. So you've got uh, Michelle Fairley, who played um, Catelyn Stark, Oh, yeah. And she's like, oh, I've just booked a recurring role in 24. Mm-hmm. She did. And Sophie Turner's just landed the X-Men gig. And, well, Peter Dinklage just like, well, fuck you guys. I'm about to be in the new Ryan Gosling movie. <laughs> so he's very excited. And so while on the Game of Thrones break, he flies out, arrives on set for this exciting movie. Mm-hmm. And is greeted by the director, who's like, Mr. Dinklage, it's a pleasure to have you on board. And he says, well, I'm happy to be here. So when does Ryan show up? And, uh, oh, Ryan's over there. And he points to a man who's clearly not Ryan Gosling. <laughs> he's like, oh, no, 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 I, I mean, when's Ryan Gosling? When's the star showing up? Mm-hmm. And uh, he's Ryan Gosling. I'm like, yeah, Ryan Gosling, A-list Hollywood actor, star of the movie, reason I'm here. <laughs> he's oh, there's been some misunderstanding. We can't afford Ryan Gosling. No, 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 the star of our film is Ryan Quanson. Who? Exactly, exactly. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's the guy who played Joe, the lead in... The film that we just watched? Yes, the, the lead in Nights like, that's, that's how I forget four years. <laughs> I mentioned it literally five minutes ago, Harry. <laughs> so, so yeah, Peter has much the same reaction as you, though. He's like, who the fuck is Ryan Quanson? He's like, oh, he's really hot now. He's just come off true blood. Like, whoa. And, uh, and Peter Dinklage is obviously furious, and he calls mm. Estelle again. He's like, what the hell, Estelle? You've got me in a movie playing second fiddle to some D-list TV actor? And Estelle's like, okay, the Ryan Gosling thing was unfortunate. But look at it this way. You're the biggest star in this picture now. You can totally steal this movie. So he hangs up the phone, he storms out of the trailer, and he runs into Danny Poody. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh God, Poody, they've got you too? <laughs> He's like, yeah, my agent told me I'm going to be acting in the new Scarlett Johansson movie, but it turns out all they could get was Summer Glau. <laughs> <laughs> and so, as it turns out, all the TV stars in this movie, because this mm-hmm. movie is entirely made up of like second-rate TV stars, mm-hmm. of which Peter Dinklage is the only one I would say is maybe a proper star. Yeah, uh, They've all essentially been tricked into thinking they're going to be acting alongside a Hollywood A-lister, when in fact they're just stuck with each other, all being like, Z-list TV stars. Who is this band of rogue agents who are... Uh, Maybe Estelle yeah, manages them all and she's just spinning lies. And okay. This is her web. This is Phoebe <laughs> slash Estelle's tangled web of lies. <laughs> so Peter gets very depressed and he starts drinking quite heavily in, in order to get through the shoots. Mm-hmm. And in fact, during an early scene that you apparently forgot, but was definitely stuck in my mind, uh, he has an important speech in which he's supposed to comfort the recently... He has to comfort the recently dumped best friend character, mm-hmm. the, the, the Joe, the lead, after he's mm-hmm. dumped by his girlfriend. So he turns up to the set, blind drunk, can barely stand. He tries to do his speech in this scene, and halfway through, he just falls asleep. And he just ends up asleep, like, asleep standing up, just leaning on this guy. And after a solid minute, his co-star kind of kicks him, kicks him in the ankle to wake him up. He's like, oh God, I'm so sorry. Can we go again? And the director kind of looks at his watch and goes, no, eh, let's just leave it. <laughs> and so after that scene, 
Yeah. Steve Zahn, who played the mm-hmm. Grand Wizard, uh, he takes Peter Dinklage to one side and he says, look, dude, I was in daddy daycare, so I can tell you a few things about making bad movies. There's any, the only thing worse than being in a bad movie is being bad in a bad movie. And you're being bad in a bad movie. So pull it together, have some fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe you'll stand out. Yeah. And he's inspired. Peter Dinklage is very inspired by this advice. And so he goes to see the director and he apologizes for his behavior. And he promises that from now on, he's going to be the best drug-addled LARPing dwarf that he can be. Okay. And uh, then the director says, well, that's great to hear, but um, I do have some bad news. We're running way over budget here now. And <laughs> we're going to have to let you go. He's like, what? He's like, yeah, we really need to cut some corners so we can afford the amazing CGI goblin we've got planned for the final act. <laughs> so we've decided to kill you and Danny Pudi off in the first hour because you're the most expensive actors we have on set. <laughs> and so he's absolutely furious about this. He's completely nuts, heads out on a massive bender, ends up in a local dance club, taking huge amounts of ecstasy mm. through the night, just a couple of hours before he's due on set to film his final scenes. Somehow, because he is a professional, he does make it to set, mm-hmm. but he's still high as a kite and he's just out of it he's staring at his hand he's t- shouting absolute nonsense and the rest of the cast are like should we should we do something <laughs> he's being really strange it's like he's acting in a totally different movie and the director's like no leave it in let him go with it we need to, we need to he's, wrap he's it. the best actor here yeah this is what he wants to do we need to wrap this thing up and so he finishes the shoot mm-hmm. and wakes up the next day with no memory of anything that he's done and he leaves the set in a state of total dejection mm. And as I mentioned, it takes several years for this film to be released, mm-hmm. uh, during which time he continues starring Game of Thrones. And he also actually does manage to be in some better movies. Because mm-hmm. you know, Peter Dinklage, I believe, is in some... You know better than me. Was he in some X-Men movies? Or uh, yes. He's been in some comic book stuff? Yeah, yeah he was in the same, same ones as Sophie Turner. Oh, so, well, uh... well, that's a plot hole, but never mind. Anyway, so years pass. He's completely forgotten all about Knights of Bad Aston. Mm-hmm. Totally forgotten ever happened. And then, so these years... So this three years later, he's at, he's at a comic con event with the cast of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And a tall, strange-looking man in a Viking costume approaches him. Uh, and he says, Mr. Dinklage, how does it feel to be the star of the highest-grossing movie of all time in Finland? He's like, excuse me? He's like, yes, in Lapland, we love the LARPing. And, uh, I couldn't resist that pun. Okay. <laughs> Your film, it really spoke to us, and it, was, it has become quite the classic in Finland. And I'm actually here to invite you to become a guest of honour at LARPfest 2018 in Kjartfjali. And uh, so... Peter Dinklage finishes shooting the final series of Game of Thrones and he has some time and so he decides to travel to Finland and, mm-hmm. and go to this event. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's greeted there by the rest of the cast who've also been, to- been told, you know, that was news to them mm-hmm. that this is the highest grossing film of all time in Finland. Mm-hmm. Nowhere else, just Finland. And they're welcomed by a horde of LARP fanatics all dressed as knights and crossbowmen and mm-hmm. wizards and all kinds of warriors. And they sit down in a hall for a great banquet. And, you know, oldie-worldie, you know. And they're eating and drinking and having a great time. Feeling very happy, yeah. And then suddenly, Peter Dinklage notices that the LARPers have started locking all the doors. Okay. And then the house band, which is a heavy metal band by the name of Lordy, <laughs> finally managed to get a Eurovision reference to our stories. <laughs> they start playing a mournful ballad version of the heavy metal song from the end of the film, the one that Ryan Quanson's character oh, yeah. plays. And suddenly, Peter Dinklage gets a horrible feeling in the pit of his stomach. Mm. And he, but before he can do anything, the head of the Finnish LARPers stands up and he announces a toast. And he says, he wants to call a toast to the shittiest LARPing movie ever made. An absolute insult to the grand tradition of LARPing. And the last thing Peter Dinklage sees is a level 27 grand wizard swinging a mace towards his head. And then the film cuts to credits. <laughs> because oh. it was the uh, the Red Wedding. Uh, but for LARPers. Uh, okay. So it was that obvious. 
I didn't see that it was going to be the Red Wedding. Okay, right. So you know Lordy playing the band, like the band playing the song, and all the doors get locked. And, oh, yeah, and that's right. So yeah, basically, the finish... This isn't my best story, I'll be honest. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think the, your, your, your stories would be a lot better if you had a co-host who knew what you were talking about. Sometimes... Well, we're both Game of Thrones fans, so... Yeah, but I'm an idiot. Yeah, yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so my idea was that basically this film has been very offensive to people who enjoy LARPing. Mm. So they've set a trap to invite the cast <laughs> and basically kill them. And I thought it'd be good to have a callback to The Red Wedding, which is a classic Game of Thrones scene, obviously. Definitely. So, yeah. So there we go. That was The Revenge of the Nordic Nerds. So right, top okay. Top that. I'm sure you can. Well, we'll see, shall we? <laughs> so mine's called Knights of Lego Badastum. Le- Lego Badastum. Okay. Mm-hmm. Go on. Now... What have I been known for for some of the stories that I've done? Uh, well, crossovers. Mm-hmm. Um, starting stronger than you finish. <laughs> oh, gosh. Sorry. <laughs> but true. Yeah, uh, yeah. crossovers. Um, inserting your personal diary into them. <laughs> okay, well, this one is actually going to join in with one of the universes I've got going. Oh, you do like a shared universe? Oh, is Big Daddy coming back? No, it's not Big oh, Daddy. Oh, damn it. No, Stoner Crew. Oh, the Stoner Crew. Oh, okay. Makes cool. perfect sense for this film, really. It, actually, yeah. I, the only thing that surprised me about this film is that Seth Rogen and James Franco did not appear in it. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like, a, especially James Franco. Yeah. Like something he would do. But mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, continue. So, well, where did we leave them last time we saw them? They, they've appeared in our Titanic episode and mm-hmm. our Castaway episode. So they were left, as I recall, on a desert island. Mm-hmm. And um, they'd just eaten Jonah Hill's legs. Yes. And so James Franco and Seth Rogen would just be, had just been rescued by Tom Hanks in a plane. Yeah. The year is 2014 or something. And yeah, Jonah Hill may or may not be still alive, but he has had his legs eaten. So. Yes. Okay. Well, I think we kind of agreed that it was going to be a little bit more timeless. Sure, yeah. Because I can't really set everything back in Titanic era. Okay. Well, maybe they're time travellers. Yes. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. More Knights of Lego Ben Aston. That's... Uh, that's... <sighs> I'm not confident in this at all. Hit me. Hit me. We, yeah. we, can, we can get this through this together. Okay. Okay. So, the back... Home in England, mm-hmm. um, that's where we started there from, at James Franco's London house. Mm-hmm. Seth Rogen's still there, Jonah Hill's there as well, but he's he's in a wheelchair. Um, <laughs> Is he still friends with them after they ate his legs? Yes, he's still friends with them. What a glutton for punishment. Well, they were high the whole time. Still... Oh, well, I guess it's forgivable, yeah. Yeah, probably still high now. That, that's why we don't do drugs, because I do fear you would eat my legs. Right. I'd hold back. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they're just in his living room watching a film, um, and obviously getting high, mm-hmm. uh, while James Franco's son is ah. playing Lego on the floor. How old's his son? Like 10, maybe? Where's he been this whole time? Just, just wasn't invited to come on the Titanic. Okay. Probably for a good good thing. Is his mother in this film? Uh, no. Okay. Maybe, maybe we'll meet here in a, in a later film. I hope so. Are you really building a universe here? So yeah, go ahead. Mm, yeah. Um, his son, uh, I think the only thing that James Franco would ever call his son is James. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that makes sense. It's James Jr., otherwise known as JJ. Okay. He's just playing with Lego on the floor while our three heroes are watching Knights of Bad Aston on mm-hmm. telly. Oh, okay. Yeah, they'd enjoy that kind of film. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought halfway through. No. And so when the film finishes, James says, Hey, hey dudes, I, oh, I, think I've, I think I've got that book somewhere. And so he gets up and he comes back with a book in his hand okay. that's got like a yellow orb, a jewel in it, in oh. the spine of it that's shining. And so Seth's just like, oh, Dude, read, read something. And so James opens it to a random page, and he starts reading this thing. Slam it to the left if you're having a good time. <laughs> Already <laughs> sold. Already Shake sold. it to the right if you know that you feel fine. Cheekers to the front. Ha ha. Ha see ya. Hold tight. 
I can't believe you're the first one to bring a Spice Girls reference to your podcast. <laughs> you so lose. Jealous, but you so lose. Happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we have a fade to black. Okay. That's kind of the intro. Mm-hmm. Now this film is going to be entirely in what I'm calling Lego motion. Okay. That's what you call it. But like, uh, like the Lego movies, essentially. Like the Lego movie, like the Lego Batman movie, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Ideally with that kind of humour, but also yeah. with a bit of a stoner tint. Okay. So it's a film of medieval knights. James Franco is now playing a jouster um, with Seth Rogen as his squire. Okay. And Jonah Hill is the village idiot. Oh, um, of course he is. Um, Still in his wheelchair? Not in his wheelchair, but he doesn't have any legs. Okay. So, so he's on little crutches. Little crutches, yeah. He's a heavy set guy. He's going to struggle to move himself on those things. He is. <laughs> but remember, he has a Lego piece. Oh, okay. Fair. Okay. So everybody's the same weight. Kind That's of. true, I guess, yeah. I mean, James Franco's probably got like a six pack painted on him, but yeah, the, other, okay. the others don't. Probably got like bellies painted on them. Okay. Yeah. I would guess. Mm-hmm. So James and Seth are at a jousting competition and they've been winning the tournament all year and this is the final. Okay. And they're going to be against an American knight who is played by Channing Tatum. Okay. Channing is a cunning dickhead and he gets Jonah Hill to steal James's armour um, with the promise that he knows whether there's a grand old wizard who can regrow his legs. Oh, okay. So Jonah Hill stole in the armour to, to do that. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing this. Yeah. So how does he steal a full suit of armour and carry it, presumably, to... Puts it on his back. Oh, okay. Okay, sure. Yeah. yeah. Just like, wears it as a backpack, essentially. Okay. So Seth at one point goes over to oil uh, the armour and he has to maintain it. I don't know what you have to do to maintain armour, so I'm just making up oil. Mm-hmm. And he can't find it, but he does see that... He does see, well, there's no footprints around, but he does see crutch prints. <laughs> crutch prints, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, just in the ground around where he was keeping it. And he's like, okay, well, there's only, there's only one idiot that can be. <laughs> and so him and James both go to where Jonah hangs out. Okay. Um, and he's not there. Uh, he's no, he's nowhere to be seen. But one of his neighbours is about, and so they ask, "So, is he is he around? Is he gone?" Or oh yeah, yeah, he, he left this morning with a with a suit of armour um, on his cart. Like he 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 has a cart. Yeah, yeah, he, he built he built a cart out of the rubbish that he found on the street. It helps helps him get around. Like oh okay, well where did he go? He said something about getting his legs back. Apparently, uh, there's like a a grand old wizard who can regrow his legs for him. Just, just follow, follow that road. Follow that road. So, Seth and James is and me. A yellow brick road. I was so tempted, but that didn't make any sense. <laughs> Would it matter in this film? <laughs> sure, it's a yellow brick road. Yay! Because <laughs> um, he's, he's carrying. He's like a tin man. He's carrying his armor to get his legs back. This is so wizard. And to of go Oz. and see a wizard. Yeah, it's so wizard of Oz. I love it. Okay, very accidentally, it's wizard of Oz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Seth and James immediately leave to go on a quest to go and get the armor back. Okay. On the way there, there's a few obstacles for them to for them to cross. A bit of fun for us. There's there's a river which is too wide to swim, so they build a bridge out of Lego blocks. Okay. Because remember we're in Lego world, mm-hmm. so they can do that. Um, another point uh, after that, they come across a big bear who's going to attack them. Okay. You know to get rid of a bear. You shout at it, makes it look really big. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So they build themselves bigger. Oh, okay. That's cute. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it works. The bear mm-hmm. runs off. The bear can't likewise make itself bigger. No. Okay. Maybe the bear's a real bear. Oh, okay. In Lego world. Mm. Strange, I don't know. Um, so further down the road, they come across a damsel in distress. Okay. Um, who's played by Megan Fox. Sure. She doesn't do films anymore, so I think that she'd do this. Yeah, what, what is she doing? 
don't know, she was in Transformers like ages ago. Yeah, but... she's not in the current Transformers films, is she? Yeah. Oh, she was on New Girl. She's pretty good in that. Oh, great. Man. Playing pretty much just Megan Fox. Yeah. But it works really well. Anywho, so James instantly falls in love with her because okay. she's the most attractive woman he's ever seen. Um, and so they pitch camp there for the night. There is a very, very graphic sex scene of Lego pieces. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> do, like, do, do, yeah, do Lego pieces have genitalia? Well, maybe they do, maybe they don't. I don't know. Um, I'm thinking about the... Uh... Do they just, like, connect? Y- yeah, yeah. They just, yeah. <laughs> just like a jigsaw. Yeah. Um, so that's happening while Seth Rogen is outside, like, eyes wide, just, like, rocking back and forth. Okay. Just like he's been terrified by the whole thing. Next morning, James, who... Well, he's not exactly very nice to his squad. Just says, "Yeah, I'm just going to stay here for a, for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, you carry on. You, you you get my armor back for me." Mm-hmm. So that's young James for a bit. Seth carries on, and eventually he does catch up with Jonah. Okay, and what he finds is absolutely horrifying. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, that Jonah's built this cart out of all this rubbish and stuff that he's found. Yeah, yeah. Jonah's not built a cart that he's just carting around. Jonah has become the cart of rubbish. Oh, okay. Because he's Lego. Yeah. Okay. So he has built himself, like, imagine a dog whose back legs don't work. Yeah. They get those little wheels that are very cute. Oh, yeah, okay. But imagine Jonah Hill doing that. That's hard to imagine. Or Lego Jonah Hill doing that. So is he on all fours? Well, twos. So he's got his hands on the floor. Yeah. And then his... Whereas stumps where his legs used to be are wheels. He's got, like, wheels and there's, like, a cart. Just... And then the armour is just on his back. Yeah, in the, yeah, in a kind of, thing, of a yeah. cart. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, I think I can picture it. Yeah? Okay, sure, yeah. Yeah, go on. Uh, Seth walks up to him and says, Hey, village idiot, give me that armour back. <laughs> Strong words. Yeah, Jonah goes, <laughs> Never! It's the only thing that will make me whole again. That's an amazing Jonah Hill. <laughs> um, it's Jonah Hill as some kind of monster. Okay. Um, give it back or I'll, I'll take it off you. <laughs> You'll never get it back off me. And he transforms into a giant Lego monster. Um, Why didn't you do this in the first place? It seems like he'd be a lot more mobile that way. Uh, I hadn't thought of that. So we then have a nice big battle um, of, well, of which Seth wins, uh, essentially. He manages to cut away most of the Lego blocks, leaving Jonah pretty much just as he was before. Uh He's just a normal person without any legs. Okay. And Seth just takes the armour and and goes to leave. Wait, says Jonah. I'm on the way to the wizard. Maybe he can help you too if you help me get there. Seth took a moment to think. He just sort of looks at the sky for a little bit and then agrees. So Seth carries Jonah and the armour and goes and sees this wizard. So he's betrayed James Franco, essentially. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. And what does he want from the wizard? Well, we'll find out. Okay. Um, and so they get to a cave, which looks like something out of uh, where a hobbit would live. Like it's just sort of a whole sort of a, a cave but it's done really nice and it's very grand and yeah. amazing it's like the sort of place that only a wizard would live okay or a hobbit or a hobbit <laughs> 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 so they walk up to this uh, this door and they knock and footsteps come to the door and who answers well it is a grand old wizard but who's playing this grand old wizard can't wait to find out is it Denzel Washington no oh damn it the thought did cross my mind <laughs> but I thought no that'd be too much oh, never too much Michael Cera as a grand old wizard. Uh huh. Okay. Can you can you can you see it? I can see him as a wizard, not as a grand old one though. And so he says, or like a puny young wizard. So, wizard Sira says, mm. uh, oh, "Can I can I do, Michael Sira? Please try. What can I do for you? No. No, he's higher than that. He's what can, what can I do for you? 
What can I do for you? Close. Close. I don't don't, don't, don't know. I'm I'm stuck with that, but I'm I'm not happy with it. (laughs) He kind of always sounds like his voice hasn't quite broken yet. Mm. He's got that kind of like strangled kind of thing going on. Okay, well, I'll do my best. Well, he wants his legs back and I want to switch places with my knight. And I want him to be my squire. Okay. Oh, well, it was a more versatile relationship. <laughs> yeah, not the best relationship. Well, <laughs> what's James Franco doing right now? He's just off shagging Megan Fox. Well, oh. Seth Rogen's got to do all his dirty work. Mm-hmm. Well, I will grant your wishes if you do one thing for me. What's, what's that? Stop making these god-awful movies. <laughs> <laughs> so the two of them look at each other and they nod. They say, okay, deal, but we can't really speak for James Franco. Fine. So the wizard grants their wishes, and they start the walk home. So uh, Jonah Hill has his legs back now. Oh, great. Okay. Good. So Set him up for the next one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, they meet up with James Franco, um, and, uh, well, Megan Fox instantly now falls in love with Seth Rogen instead. Okay. And James Franco is just being his squire. Oh, okay. Um, so he's carrying the armor now, and Seth Rogen is... You know, just being all grand and stuff. And so eventually the four of them arrive into town, just in time for the the jousting final. Mm -hmm. And, well, they're just getting ready, but it turns out Seth is is actually still a bit fat, can't quite fit into the armour. So we get a bit of a comedy scene where they have to sort of extend the armour and still just sort of like poke all different bits of (laughs) Seth's fat into the armour. And it's just... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they go out onto the arena, Channing Tatum's at the other end, and he says... I didn't think you had the balls to show up for this. Me and my balls have been ready for this my whole life. <laughs> they ride towards each other as fast as they can. Mm. Just before they collide, fed to black. Uh-huh. And we're back in the living room. Are we out? Says James. Mm. And so they just beat in this Lego world. Yeah. Oh my God, we are. And my legs are grown back, says Jonah. Wow, let's do this again, says Seth. He opens the book, starts singing Cindy Lauper. Okay. The end. Okay. Thoughts? Yeah, oh, that was good. Actually, that was, I really liked that a lot. And I thought that this, this, the pop music was going to pay off more. Oh, it was going to like be more of a thing in the actual story. But nah, I like I like the idea though. I like that instead of singing a heavy metal song, that they're singing a, a pop song. That's cool. Yeah. So they're singing "Girls Wanna Have Fun" then. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, mean, yeah, I, thought I, I can I can picture that film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. I always enjoy it when you do voice work. You're very, <laughs> you're very good at it. I think our episode's probably better when we do voice work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you, you can... I think you managed to stay consistent more than I do. You were right back into that James Franco voice. It was <laughs> exactly the same as last time. So. It's easy to do, just sort of slow down your voice and... Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. It's yeah, easy. It's like he's in the room. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Very good. Yeah, well, that was that. Um, and also, that was our 25th episode. Not that it, we're finished yet, but... <laughs> yeah, what a, what a fantastic film to choose. Such a great milestone. Oh, dear. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's all right. They can't all be called. No. <laughs> okay, well, have we got any viewer submissions? We got, submissions? Yeah, well, we only got one this week because it turns out nobody's seen this film. So. Oh, fair. Yeah. But uh, our reliable friends at Blockbusters have seen this film. I knew it'd be them. Yeah, of course. Who else? Who else mm. but them? Thank you, guys. We love you. <laughs> um, so, Blockbusters, they don't, they don't have a title for us, but their pitch is the characters are reunited, but with no knowledge of their previous adventure. So, mm. I'm guessing it's the same actors, but different characters, maybe. Okay. I guess that's the idea. Uh, and they go on a budget holiday, which explains how they're all together again. Mm-hmm. And they run into the Necromonic... I can never say this word. They run into the Necronomicon from Evil Dead. Okay. Uh, do you know the Evil Dead franchise? No. I think the Necronomicon is the Book of the Dead, basically. Oh, right, okay. Uh, it, Evil Dead is a horror movie. Mm-hmm. It's a horror comedy movie. Uh, and Ash from Evil Dead is seen in the background throughout, but he has no speaking lines. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Typical evil ensues, and the group bands together to save the day. Peter Dinklage dies again. <laughs> and just as the credits start, it hard cuts to the characters sitting at a table playing Dungeons and Dragons with Ash from Evil Dead mm. as their dungeon master. And Peter Dinklage is really annoyed that he keeps getting killed in all of their games, and he storms off while the rest of them look confused. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's got a kind of a Stranger Things kind of vibe with the playing yeah, Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. And... Yeah, I like that. Very good. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, so that's definitely. all we have this week because, um, yeah, maybe, maybe we need to choose some films that you know have some kind of following. <laughs> Okay, well, what's next week then? Uh, next week we have a guest. Hey. Uh, yes, it's been a while, but we've managed to pin someone down. So my friend Ellie Shortley is going to be joining us, and she's chosen a absolute classic. Is she's chosen the film called Strictly Ballroom? Strictly Ballroom. Mm-hmm. I've not seen it. I have. I love it. Does it involve dancing? No. Yes, it does. Very, very. very <laughs> I thought, thought you being serious then. No, no, it's, <laughs> no it's about the Holocaust. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, it's a dance film. So, yeah, look forward to that. Oh, Strictly ballroom. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I think you'll like it. It's funny. Sure. So, yeah, uh, if you have any ideas for sequels you'd like to see to um, Knights of Padastum, if you're one of the 17 people who's ever seen it, <laughs> or um, Strictly Ballroom, or anything else we've done in the past or might do in the future, mm. you can get in touch with us. We are Beyond the Box Set. You can find us at beyondtheboxset.com. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, all your favourite podcasting platforms. And uh, yeah, if you like what we do, please do subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps us out. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's it. Episode 25. Mm-hmm. Done. through them. And here's to the next 25. Mm, I'm excited. Mm. Great. All right. See you all next week for Strictly Ballroom. Yep. Bye. Bye. <laughs>